Thank you, Nicholas. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. If you are visiting with us, we want you to know that you're a welcome guest and that we're so very happy that you have taken time to be with us this morning. Give us an opportunity to say hi to you after services and, and to shake your hand and just to let you know that we're glad that you are, are here uh, with us. So as you know, last week I was out with a, a chest cold. My doctor said it's bronchitis, still fighting it a little bit. And so we'll see how things go this morning. You might get a shorter sermon or you might just get a regular long one. Anyway, good seeing you all here uh, this morning. Let me remind you of our community giveaway that we're having this coming uh, Saturday morning. And so if you have some things that you'd like to bring down to the building, you need to start getting that down there so we can start sorting it out and getting it ready to give to our uh, community. It's always a great opportunity for our community, and they always love it a lot. And we have opportunity to share with them some good news. So I would encourage you to, uh, to uh, do that. For those of you who have not been here and have been through this series that I've been sharing with the congregation for the last or oh, probably five or six weeks, I've been talking to them about good news. And, and the reason is, is because there's just so much bad news in the world today. We're just inundated with just the constant bombardment of bad news that comes to us, either via um, news on TV or through the web or whatever means that you use as a media. There's just a lot of bad news out there. And so I thought that we'd spend some time talking about good news. The good news is something that God has shared with us. And so in the first lesson, I talked to you about the Evangelion, the glad tidings, and how Jesus would present to us a kingdom that would be different from the world in which we live. It's almost an upside-down way of living, if you will, but he's going to radically change the way we look at things socially, how we look at things economically, how we look at things politically. It just changes how we look at life, and it promises to us the abundant life because of that. I follow that up by talking about the gospel benefits, that if we buy into this good news and accept this good news, then what's in it for us? And from Psalm 103, you remember David said, listen, let's be careful that we don't forget all the blessings, all the benefits that God has showered and poured out upon us. And so I shared with you, I think, five of those uh, benefits. That followed by Clint sharing with you a lesson that was called Made for Mission, that we need to be outside the walls of this building here and out into our community sharing the good news. I then talked to you the next week about beginning the beginning of the gospel that began with Jesus being raised in Nazareth for almost 30 years of his life and beginning his ministry there after his baptism and after his wilderness uh, temptation, he began to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, calling men and women, to, of course, to repentance. And then I started, I, I followed that up by the good news for those in the wilderness. And so I used it as an analogy of the different ways in which we find ourselves as human beings out in a wilderness. And how as wilderness wonders, we need to hear good news that is there and that John came preaching in the wilderness. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But that message is still real for us even today, that there is good news for those of us who find ourselves in various kinds of wilderness. Well, I want to follow up with the final lesson this morning in this series. And it begins by asking this question, how many of you would say that you have beautiful feet? How many would you say, you know, as you look down, how would you say, you would say you, don't take off your shoes and show it to the person next to you. I know you're tempted to do that because I will share with you my beautiful feet. I have some beautiful feet. These are fresh feet. I took a picture of them last night. And these feet here, you know, are, are serious, they're beautiful feet. Uh, my wife tells me I have beautiful feet. 
Well, actually, she doesn't. My feet are, are, you know, my feet and sides are, they're long. They're, you know, depending on the shoe I wear or 12, I wear either a 12 or a 13. I have flat feet. As you can tell by looking at my toes, they're a little bit twisted, a little bit bent, you know. But my feet are beautiful feet. And you're thinking to yourself, where in the world did you get this that you have beautiful feet? Well, I have beautiful feet because God told me so. God says, Richard, you have beautiful feet, but guess what? He would say to you that you have beautiful feet as well. In Romans, the 10th chapter, in verse 15, there, Paul says, As it is written by the prophet, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good things and glad tidings. It's a wonderful thing to think about that. When we talk about having beautiful feet, though, obviously we're using it in a, a figurative kind of way, right? We're not talking about it being literal. For instance, we use you know, hands and feet in a figurative kind of illustration. For instance, we might see a person who is maybe in need of some help, and we'll say to the guy next to me, say, hey, let's give this guy a hand. We don't literally mean let's cut off our hand and hand it to him. We're saying this guy is in need of help, and so let's help the person out. Or maybe we were in a conversation with someone, and maybe we have kind of blown up the conversation, and, and the result of it is we will say something like, you know what, I really stuck my foot in my mouth today, didn't I? Well, did I really put my foot in my mouth? Well, obviously not. I mean, I couldn't be even begin to put my foot in my mouth, literally speaking. I mean, if my life depended on it, if my soul depended on it, I could not get my foot in my mouth. Gabby Pruitt, she could get her foot in her mouth probably. But I can't. It's an absolutely impossibility. I'm just saying she's flexible is all I'm saying. So this, this idea of beautiful feet is used in a figurative kind of way, but... The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings and good things. So where did this idea of beautiful feet come from that Paul decides to use in, in his text in Romans, the 10th chapter? Well, he gets it from uh, Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, and verse 7 that was read to us a few moments ago. There it says, just as it is written... And, and the same comes from a time when Israel was in Babylonian captivity. The children of Israel had decided to delve into sin. They became extremely worldly. In particular, they became very idolatrous. And, and God decided to save a remnant. And to do so, he punished the people by sending them into captivity. The northern kingdom went into captivity first to the nation of Assyria. And then later on, Babylon would rise as a great nation. And they would conquer Assyria. They would assume or consume Israel, the northern kingdoms of Israel, in that happening. And then Judah, the, north, the southern kingdom, would fall into the same trap and the same sin that uh, the northern kingdom did. And so Babylon would take them into captivity. And now they've been in captivity for 120 years. Well, Isaiah comes along and he says that, listen, Cyrus the Great has set the people free and they're going to become runners, and they're going to be running to you with good news that the captivity of the children of Israel has ended, and that they are being set free, and that they are coming home. That was incredibly good news for those children who had been there for 120 years. It said that they wept at the waters of Babylon. They hung their harps up there. They were mocked. They were ridiculed. And now, as a people, they're finally sent home from their punishment and from their captivity. Well, Paul here, he uses this verse to inform us of uh, the, the, the reader, or inform his readers that Christians are coming. 
And they're coming with good news. And the good news is that those who have been captivated in sin, those who are in the bondage of sin, can be free. And they can become free because of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Christians are known as those who are bringing that which is good news. So our feet, our feet really are beautiful in the sense that we bring incredibly good news that sets people free from their sins because the thing is that God desires all men to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. In Romans, the 10th chapter, if you'll open your Bible, that's where our text is this morning. In Romans, the 10th chapter, in verse 11, actually, in the first chapter, let me just kind of set the context of Romans for you. What Paul has been doing, he's trying to disprove this idea that only those who are of the bloodline of the Jews can be saved. He's saying that all men can be saved, regardless of whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, you can be saved. It doesn't matter. It's not according to your bloodlines. It's not about your heritage. It's not about how well you keep the, the commandments. It's not a, about how many good works you do. It's about a relationship and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he has said both Jew and Greek can be, uh, and Gentile can be saved. And then he says in verse 11, he says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, will not be disappointed. Verse 13, and whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so there's this opportunity that is out there for all men to be saved. And that's what Paul said over in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. There it says, God who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Or 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 19, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God's view about life and Jesus' view about life and the church's view about life is, is that God desires for all of us to be, be saved and come into a relationship with God. And that's what Paul did over in Acts, the 22nd chapter. In verse 16, he heard the call from Ananias as he spoke to him the good news of Jesus Christ. And then Ananias says to him, so what are you waiting for, Paul? I think the King James says, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized uh, calling on the, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so he called on the name of the Lord by being obedient to the call itself, and he was baptized into Christ. It becomes that example for us, or another example for, for us. And because of that, because of the fact that we as Christians have become followers of Jesus, we find ourselves under obligation now to share that good news with other people. Now, I referenced for you Romans, the tenth, first chapter, verses 14 through 16, as Paul talks about his obligation, but his obligation is no less than, than ours, or no more than ours. Look at verse 14. I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager or ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. So he feels a strong obligation to share the good news to people. And, it's, and he shares it because of God's desire that every person should have an opportunity to hear the good news and, of course, to respond to the gospel. So the sermon's title, if you haven't already got it, is The Gospel Feet, The Good News Feet. Our good news is is our feet that we bring a good news to the people who are around us so let's look at romans chapter 10 and let's read verses 12 down through 17 to get the idea of what we'll be talking about this morning 
For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on his name. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now listen to me. He's going to ask a number of how questions. He's going to talk about the progression. How does this take place? How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they, the they's the lost, how will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of, of Christ. So he talks about the progression of this good news that we are to bring, and he, and he talks about the how of the gospel uh, message. And he talks about man's responsibility and salvation's opportunity. So as you begin looking down through that section of scripture that we just read, he's going to ask this question like, how could they call upon one in whom they have not believed? How could they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how could they hear without preaching? And the answer is, is they can't. People can't all be because they haven't heard the instruction or the information concerning the good news of Jesus Christ, and they're not able to respond. And so he says, how are they going to do this? How are we going to get this message out? And we will, we're going to find out how. So what Paul has done is, as, as he has stated, that all men are saved in verse 11, Paul then argues how men are to be saved. Understand that from the very inception, from the beginning of the church, then the echo of Jesus was a challenge from the very beginning. And the challenge was is that the church was going to undertake a rescue mission. He told them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he said in Matthew 28 and verse 19. He said, go and proclaim the good news to all of creation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that disbelieves will be condemned. And then before he ascends in Acts, the first chapter and verse 8, he says to his disciples, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the world. We would call this the Great Commission. Jesus would call this the Great Commission. We might even call it the Great Rescue Mission of the church that's what we're supposed to be doing some of you may have heard of a, of a cave-in that happened on august the 5th in 2010 it's called the kapaipo mining uh accident the kapaipo mining accident was a huge accident it's a it's a large uh, copper gold mine in the northern part of of chile and they had an explosion and a huge collapse it was one of the most watched rescue missions in world history they said that over a billion people watched this day-by-day -day news update for over 69 days there was a rescue mission because there were some men that they knew were trapped below the surface and they believed that there could be someone who was alive down there but they were they had some problems there and the problem is is that this is really a deep, deep, deep mine. It's got, it, you know, it has a labyrinth of tunnels everywhere, huge landings everywhere. They said it was like capillaries of veins in a body. They were just going all over the, the place. They have, you know, it goes to the depths over almost 3,000 feet. These men who were trapped in the mine were back three miles from the entrance of the mine it, it, itself. 
And so they're probing, trying to find if there's anyone alive that's down there. And 17 days after the collapse, a drill breaks through the ceiling. And it finds 13 men, or 33 men that were down there. And they took that bit and they tied a, a piece of paper with le red letters they wrote on it. It says, we are well, the 33. They've been in darkness for 17 days. And now it's discovered that they are alive and they begin to call all kinds of engineers and people to go. NASA sent down a bunch of people. Engineers came from all over the world and they're trying to figure out how can we extract these men that are 2,300 feet underground? How are we going to do that? And so they decide to drill a hole big enough to send like a torpedo kind of vessel down uh, to, the, to where these guys are. And so on October the 15th in 2019, 59 days after the miners were discovered alive, 69 days since the cave, cave, uh, cave happened, all 33 of the men were rescued. It's an amazing story. I remember watching it myself and listening myself and seeing how, how crazy it was. It was, you know, it was a tragedy turned into a great victory that they were able to bring those men up. The final rescue took over 24 hours as the miners were brought up to the surface, one at a time through this, this torpedo-shaped capsule that you see behind me. Each one would get in in their turn. They would get into the capsule. They had to stand upright. They had to put sunglasses on because they're getting ready to come into daylight. They have been in darkness for 69 days. They had to have oxygen given to them, our apparatus that would, you know, watch, uh, would watch how their bodies are doing. And they had to stand there and they began to be pulled up tethered for a 15-minute ascent. All 33 were rescued. And like I said, over a billion people watched some part of the rescue of the 13. A tragedy turned into a victory. It was a glorious thing when you think about how hard mankind would work to save each other but it wasn't the greatest rescue that had ever happened it wasn't the most important rescue it wasn't the most critical rescue to ever happen the most critical the most important the most uh the greatest one ever attempted was when god sent his son jesus christ into the world to save people who were lost in sin that's the greatest rescue mission even jesus himself when he spoke about why he came to earth he says for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost in luke the 19th chapter and verse 10 he tells us the rescue mission he also in doing so tells us what our mission as a church is and what our mission as christians are in each of these questions that Paul asks, he designates a critical link in God's search and rescue effort for the world that is lost in the darkness of sin. Each time he asks this question, how, he's asking it of us. How are they going to call unless they, they know to believe? How do they know what to believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them to believe? Because you see, calling upon the Lord implies faith. And faith implies knowledge. And knowledge implies that there has to be someone to give instruction. And instruction means there has to be an instructor. And instructor means there has to be a plan. And God's plan 
is that he desires all men to be saved. That mercy and grace is the message that they can be saved and set free by, from their sins by the good news. And in hearing the good news, they can be saved. So when you read those words or when you sing that song, how beautiful are the feet. Jesus' feet were beautiful as he came and as he died for us. But we have good, beautiful feet when we take the good news out to those who are, are lost. Which brings us to this other question. And the other question is this. How shall they hear without a preacher? And if you're, like maybe some normal Christians might be, you might say, I'm glad that it's about preachers and not about me. But let me share with you some things about this word preacher here because it's a great word. It's, it's, it's a word that's romanticized to some degree. Generally, when we think of the word preacher, we almost always think, for a lack of a, a better word, we think about the professional clergy. We think about guys like me. I went to school. I'm paid a, I'm remunerated for my, for my work. We're talking about guys like Clint or, or like Jared. The word preacher comes from the word caruso. I think that the translators did it injustice by saying, how shall they hear without a preacher? I think the better word for the word preacher there is the word herald. How beautiful are, are those who herald the good news a herald means one who proclaims a herald acts as a public announcer delivering a good message for instance back in olden days back when shelby was a was a kid the king would say i, I have a proclamation that the populace needs to hear but the population is too large for me to do it at once and so he would send out heralds and the herald's job was to go out and speak on behalf of the king and to deliver the message of the king. The messenger, the herald, was as if the king himself were standing before the people and making the proclamation. The catch is, is that he's not to add to it or take away from it. He's to say exactly what the king would have him uh, to say. So he'd go out and make the proclamation, and the king would get his message out. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the idea of heralding. As Christians, we are to herald the good news about Jesus as Savior. Those who know the gospel have the responsibility now to share the gospel. You say, well, I, don't, I just don't know that much. Well, did you know how to become saved? Do you know about your relationship with Jesus? Can you articulate that? And if you can get that far and maybe say, well, I just can't go a whole lot further, then bring in the hard guns. Then bring in guys like me. Bring in Clint. Bring in Jared. Bring in the elders. Bring, there's a number of people that can share the good news and go maybe in, into some more depth. But we bring good news to people who are lost. Now, here's the problem. Not all people think they're lost. But regardless of that fact, we are to bring a good news to those people. So Paul asks these four questions, but there's only one answer. That answer is you. That's the answer. The answer is, how is this going to happen? And Paul's going to say, well, it's up to you to make sure it happens. So we are the, the ones called by God to carry out the search and rescue mission that Jesus began and commands his church to, compl to complete. And it all starts with you and me leaving the, the light and going into darkness, if you will, the darkness of our world and taking the the light of the gospel to a lost world. That's what our jobs are about. So we have a proclamation. 
And the proclamation is one that I've already mentioned several times. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings and good things. So when I say I have beautiful feet, well, I'm being accurate about that. When I say you have beautiful feet, yours are beautiful when you're taking a good news to someone who needs to hear it really bad. I mean, they need to hear it. Back in 1983, there was an English girl. She was 16 years old. She went on a, an 11-year trek around the world. They asked her at the end of 11 years, by the time we got through 11 years, she's 27 years old, and they asked her, as she went along, but as she was going on the trip, they asked her, why? And she says, well, I wanted to discover myself. I thought, man, you had to go all the way around the world to discover yourself. But she felt the need to do that. Now, if you're sitting there thinking and saying to yourself, I would never do that. I could never do that. Well, just to let you know, this is kind of a side note. There was a podiatrist in Washington, D.C. who did a study and said that the average person in their lifetime will walk four times around the circumference of the earth. In an average lifetime. Four times around the circumference of the earth. What's the circumference of the earth? 24,901 miles. That means if you do it four times, you walk almost 100 miles. 100,000 miles. That's a long ways, 100,000 miles. Mary Kreider, she's walked at least 110 already. So, you're, I mean, so we're capable of doing a lot of, of things. And so we too can walk with a cause. Not to discover ourselves, but to help others discover uh, Jesus Christ. We have good news. The question is, is, where will your feet be going this week? Okay, so that's the positive side. There is a negative side to this, and that is the unheeded proposition of the gospel message. And that is, is as I already mentioned, not all want to hear this. In fact, in verse 16, Isaiah says, Lord, who has heard our report? And the answer is, is a lot of people are just ignoring it. A lot of people don't listen to what the message is, is going to, to say. And the reason is that because a man's free will repents and, and salvation doesn't always occur. You can speak to someone the good news, but it goes in one ear and out the other. Sometimes they say, well, you're talking about someone else. You're not talking to me. And so sometimes the message is, is ignored, rejected. It's like the parable of the, the sower, where Jesus talked about the word of God going out and it falls on four kinds of ears or four kinds of hearts. Three of those hearts or three of those ears don't accept the gospel. They don't respond to it and stay with it all through their lives. But there are those who, who do. And so the idea is that, that I want you to know is that it's not our responsibility to win the world. That's not our job. Our job is not to, to win the world, but to proclaim the gospel to the world that they might be won. And so our job is to scatter seed. And so we need to, to share the good news. And after we share the good news, we need to leave it there and leave the results up to God. That's why Paul says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. The gospel of is, the power is not in you. Your power is in your feet. The gospel, the good news, the word of God is fully capable of converting the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. That's what it is about. So most will not respond. But the, but the next thing is, but some will. And the thing is, is you never know what that, who that someone's going to be. And so we just scatter seed. 
get it out there to as many people as is possible and let them decide what they want to do with it whether they want to be rescued or saved or or not and leave it in their hands because the gospel can be productive and that's why paul says so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god if people are going to respond to the gospel then we simply need to get the word of god out to them and then watch god go to work i think probably one of the strongest passages for this is romans 1 and verse 16 paul says i'm not ashamed of the gospel i'm not ashamed of what jesus christ has done i'm not ashamed of how he has impacted my life i'm not ashamed of the gospel well why paul because it's the power of god unto salvation to everyone who believes but it gets down really to us so my question to you this morning is do you have beautiful feet do you have beautiful feet or are we doing all we can to make sure that people are hearing the message are we keeping the faith and not just keeping it to ourselves but sharing it with those who are around us beautiful feet are the feet that share the good news that jesus saves how beautiful are the feet who bring good news and good things you can have beautiful feet you ought to have beautiful feet because gospel feet are good news feet listen if you were one of those 33 that were below at Kapaipo mine what would have been the best news that you could possibly hear heard well the good news that they heard as they were down 2300 feet on the ground was is we haven't given up on you down there we're coming for you we've got good news we can get you guys all out of there well there are people who are lost and they're in a deep deep cave of lostness and darkness and we have the light we can be the people who have the good feet with good news the good news for you today is if you have not been obedient to the gospel you have that opportunity you have an opportunity to accept jesus christ as a son of god if you if you believe that jesus christ is the son of god and because of your belief you're willing to say okay my life is not right i want to go in a different direction the bible calls that repentance that you're willing to acknowledge that jesus is lord that he is savior that he is the resurrected one and then your willingness to be obedient to his command to be baptized. You can, be, you can do that this exact morning, right at this moment. You can come forward and we'll assist you in your birth into Christ and your obedience to the gospel. Or if you're a Christian, maybe you've been walking in a, a wrong direction. Maybe it's time to come back in the right direction and recommit yourself. Whatever your need is, once you come while together we stand and while we sing and give you opportunity.